I'm hey, what's going on, guys? This is the Distance Theory Podcast. Back at you with another episode. I'm Garrett Ricardo with my co-host. Ryan Mizozo. And today we have somebody I call a friend, a brother. I just met him last year, but, you know, the vibes are already there. Welcome, Marlon. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just start out. Um, so Marlon Belden, you're in high school still right now, class of 2021. Yeah. Uh, what are your, what are your PRs? Um, so I haven't ran on a track since sophomore year, but um, what I did, um, <laughs> I dropped 9.32 for 32. And then um, that next fall, my junior cross season, I ran 15.10, so. Shit. <laughs> That's all I can say. And the, the 1600 um, was, uh, what was your 1600 PR? Uh, I ran 429, but like I never got to run it that much. But yeah, that yeah. was that. Too. I mean, I mean, as a sophomore, that's still that's, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, well, I mean, I guess we should just kind of. You um, ask the first question, or? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just congratulate my dog, cause. Oh, duh, yeah. <laughs> I made it to Georgetown. How was that? Um, definitely interesting. Like I, I definitely knew for a while and then it was just kind of weird, like being like the first class ever to go through a pandemic commitment. So it was kind of just like watching like this thing, like gradually like unfold into a recruiting process. It's, you know, not what everyone else is used to. And it was kind of yeah. weird like, seeing, all right, the dead period is extended and then official visits are canceled. And then, you know, every school kind of does things their own way. And that alone was kind of a big part of of why I think things ended up, you know, gravitating towards Georgetown really early, just because it kind of matched up with, um, you know, the decision making I wanted to take and, and when. Yeah. So that was a big part of it, so getting it done early for sure. Mm -hmm. did, yeah, you have, did you have like Zoom calls for with your coach? Like, did you even get to meet him? Yeah, I mean, it was basically like all phone calls. So I never taken an unofficial there. I never met yeah. Coach Monty. Um, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, it was fine, honestly. Like, I, I accepted it pretty early on that like, all right, this is going to be something that lasts a while, you know, and, you know, with all the virtual stuff you can do, um, it's kind of like, you know, what do they do 200 years ago? You just look at pictures <laughs> that you can have and reputation and you're like, all right, that's where I want to be, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it definitely does suck. Cause I remember, you know, my coaches were telling me, you know, take every visit you can take all five just so you can, you know, go different. You texted me like, like six months ago, I went on unofficial to wake, and you're like, spend all their money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to, bro. I mean, they're they're taking you, bringing you on a visit. They're interested in you. Like when you're never gonna get that treatment ever again. Like even when you're at the school, you know. So yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely like official visits were like something I was always looking forward to. But like, it was all about attitude. I was like, whatever, you know, what am I gonna do about it? So. Of course. Obviously, there's nothing wrong, especially with. Like the dead period being pushed back is huge because, um, I mean, some like some guys like you, you know, they're not gonna wait to take an official, they're just gonna take the money while they have it. Cause, yeah, and you know, like, I wonder how many kids out there right now are like waiting till like May to take an official, and like, that's I, not a good idea. Yeah, I really don't yeah. think it is. Like, I don't, I don't understand what's worth. Like, I get like the atmosphere is obviously extremely important when choosing a school, but I mean, you're gonna lose opportunities if you wait until this clears exactly. up, you know. Yeah. I mean, you might get there and you might not like a couple guys or you might bond with the team great. I mean, you just won't know. And yeah. even on an official visit, you won't even know that because I didn't like the guys at the time when I came on my official visit here and 
they're actually really cool and stuff so you'll never know you know yeah yeah so, but for sure uh, all right ryan you want to start with the, the first official question i guess yeah so um one thing that me and gay are like really bad at is not doing anything that has to do with running yeah and <laughs> one thing that i saw that you do that's really amazing is your youtube videos like i watched oh, I like i watched like all your youtube videos and it's like it looks like it can be like a like a two-minute vacation ad for wherever you go because you go all around the world like you just talk about like how you make those like crazy transitions like it's just really cool videos you just like talk oh, i guess about like it. Where I get the content for it like i mean most of it is I, i'm from france and um that's where my entire mother's side of the family's from so that's where i was born that's where i spend my summers you know granted that there's not a pandemic so already like that you know i'm extremely fortunate to have like that to to kind of film those with you know because sometimes yeah. we get bored around here in a in the town with this population but um yeah i edit on final cut pro which is like something i just kind of taught myself like right around freshman year i used to edit on my phone i mean if you look at some of the stuff from like 2017 i just did that all on my phone with like a free app and then um you know it's always been like i guess like a serious hobby like people tell me that you should make it into something and I don't know, it just kind of helps me feel like more well-rounded as in like get away from just like the strict student athlete life every once in a while, you know, at least my artistic endeavors, I guess. But yeah. Um, I think you brought up a really good point and me and Ryan have, you know, faced this as a, our coaching slash running career, you know, goes along is maintaining that healthy balance because it's yeah. so bad to just lean on one thing. And especially as, you know, being a good runner, or a good coach, like, you kind of find yourself falling into that trap where it's like, well, this is all I know. Like, this is all I can do type, you know? For yeah. sure. And like, I know we talked about like some more like personal stuff, like way before this, but like I had to learn like this summer for the first time ever really like to learn how to be happy without running, which like, you know, it's nice to be on a podcast with, you know, two guys that absolutely relate and, you know, pretty much every passionate distance runner. It's like, that's your life. And like, it is like, even, all the lessons I learned, like, I'm still going to count that as, like, the biggest part of my self-identity, but at the same time, like, is that kind of risky? Yes, and, like, being injured for that long really helped me understand, like, how you cope with things when you can't run, you know, yeah. miles a week. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, a lot of people outside of the sport don't realize how, how much depression really kicks in in, in the running community, you know? Yeah, no, like, for sure. I think no. it's really unique to, like endurance sports as a whole. I mean, I obviously running, I'd say is like the most popular at all of them, like swimmers, bikers, like I know all of them can relate because it's that same, you know, it's that same. Yeah, it's those same feelings and stuff. Yeah. Addiction, you know. And like, that's something I didn't really know. So, you know, you really start to take things into another gear and take things serious. Like guys in college, like, like, you know, some guys just aren't happy. And I think that's why a lot of guys just end up stepping away from running because yeah no for sure i mean but, you just like sometimes you'll see guys like hang on to it for, yeah like, the end of the, their spiral you know it's crazy mm -hmm. oh, but um by the way those are some crazy edits yeah. <laughs> like, even, you have some, like yeah i'll say even I, like the you did like a couple times videos where it was like a wave and then like a wave comes and just transition to something else. like yo how did he just do that like <laughs> So yeah cool. I, that's like that's all stuff i'd watch like as like a 12 year old like damn that's sick like i want to know how to do that like it's so simple so for that i mean like you have a camera like water gets on the camera and then you get another shot and you line it up where water got on the camera and then the water oh. goes yeah okay so that's like that's not even something like you need like 
I guess like post-production editing for like, if you just line up two clips, that's all you need to do for that. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. That, I, I think that's really interesting though. Like, um, like just how you maintain that, that balance and you'd be freaking surfing. Like, I, I don't know anybody yeah. on the East coast that surfs ever. So I just think that's really cool. Surfing, skiing. Uh, yeah. You did a bunch of stuff in those videos. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes like, um, like that last one, like on my Instagram, that's my cousin making that like gnarly jump on the ski. Yeah. On the ski. So <laughs> I just get my camera for that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. All right. So I guess we already kind of touched upon this, but what, what was your, you know, like decision-making process for like choosing Georgetown like what was the what separated Georgetown from all the other schools that you're recruited by and I guess you can name what schools you're heavily interested in yeah I mean ultimately like you know I finished junior cross and I definitely got you know a lot of attention that I was thankful for and like over quarantine like it seemed to be like never ending and then it kind of slowed down and so then I had kind of time like evaluate and I know you can probably relate to this. Like most of the schools, honestly, they just kind of just flake out themselves, you know, like oh, if yeah. you, you like kind of have interest in them and they only kind of have interest in you, then it ends up being like a mutual thing where like, it's not discussed, but they kind of just, you know, disappear out of your process, which was fine yeah. with me. It ended up yeah. helping me out a lot. And then another thing I thought was interesting is like, and I'm sure like recruits that, um, you know, might be like the next level up, like in terms of their tier like use it to their advantage like without official visits like you don't technically have to eliminate anyone you know because you don't have to decide five schools to, to limit it to so I'm sure a lot of people use that to their advantage but yeah. you know it got to the point for me where um you know I'd say around August I really started to come to the conclusion that Georgetown was where I wanted to be but I still kind of try to keep you know a wide range of, of options available just in case. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, from the beginning, like since freshman year, since I started to really, you know, take running as the biggest part of my life, like I knew I wanted to go to a school where academics are going to be of a huge priority because I mean, I, I worked really hard in the classroom and that's just the path I always wanted to take. Of course. And like, I have nothing against big state schools. I think, you know, a degree is a degree at the end of the day, but it's just the atmosphere I wanted to put myself in. And so towards oh. the end, like, I really just had it between Cornell and Georgetown. And um, yeah, it ended up being Georgetown. And for yeah. me, Georgetown was pretty much, you know, it was um, the best option for, for both athletics and academics. I mean, if you look around and with the options I had, there was really nothing better to, to be the highest level of both, in my opinion. So, yeah. So basically, you're saying that Spencer Brown had nothing to do with your choice. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, like I, I watched the videos like a fair amount. Like I was never like a diehard fan, like some people. But um, it took me to realize, like it took me a while to realize, like the connection between like Spencer Brown and, and Georgetown DC. I was like, damn, that's pretty dope. Like that's my official visit right there. Yeah, I mean, but, um, you no, could be the next Spencer Brown because you already make YouTube videos. Yeah, so. that's what my told me. I was like, oh man. <laughs> That'd be funny. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was really just um, from the beginning, it was all about just like location, location, school, and then sports. And for me, like DC, I'd never been, but literally. Getting away from home, I know that was a big thing for you. Yeah. Um, everyone told me it's amazing. And then, like I said, sports and school was, is big there. So yeah, I was all in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. So, Ryan, where do you want to? I was going to start. Uh, 
I guess we'll just start how he started. But I, you know, no, I want to talk about his injury real quick because he mentioned it, and I'm just yeah. curious, like, what he had. So, yeah. what was your injury? Like, what happened? So, I mean, I'd say like this, like turmoil of <laughs> like this love hate relationship I had with my athletic career kind of started December of last year. So, um, December of 2019, I threw out my right SI joint on a long run. And so, I mean, that was like something I never expected. Um, And before then I was like, I consider myself like be the healthiest runner like on earth. I was like, I'm never getting injured again. And people would like, you know, clown me for it. But I told myself the only thing that could take me out of the sport is like an accident. And and for me, you know, stepping in a ditch on a rainy long run was an accident. And so from then, like, yeah, that like that injury I recovered from. And, you know, the weird part about the pandemic is like, I was not set up for my best track season. And so I took that as a blessing. (laughs) <laughs> all these cancellations for me were like, you know, obviously I'd rather be competing even at a low level, but the truth is like, it was better for me to be out in the sideline the right way. Yeah. And um, so I ended up getting in a pretty decent shape. Um, and like the last time I was like running and working out and getting ready to race was like the last time I saw Garrett. And so we did a long run together that day. And so, yeah, I mean, you can ask Garrett, I was in decent shape, but I had a lot of imbalances, like muscular imbalances that I was dealing with biomechanically from, you know, launching a joint my back out of place. And then from then, um, you know, I held it together for a while. And through April, I just had like some nagging tendonitis on uh, my extensor tendon on my left foot. And I got that taken care of. And then um, I had some outside family stuff that was like absolutely draining. And it, it really did get the best out of my athletic career, like right at the end of June. Because I was running really, really well. And I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Like you can be tired and miss, you know, consecutive nights of sleep and have outside stress. But you're adapted to the volume you're doing. And so you can kind of just keep going. But it'll catch up to you eventually. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, right when I got to, like, that point between June and July, it kind of hit me. And then, um, you know, from there, it was just, like, totally, like, a fatigue injury, you know. And so I kind of had, like, a stress reaction slash tendonitis um, down my post-tip tendon on my right side. And then from then, I was just, you know, it was there. And, like, I kind of dealt with it. And then I finally decided to put it to rest, like, in August. And then since then, it's just been, like, the slowest comeback ever. But now I'm finally, I'm finally rolling again. So hopefully, like, my plan is to finish out the season, you know, put it away and then probably take a week off and then jump back into things, you know, do it the right yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. I mean, when it comes to, like I said earlier, when it comes to stuff, you know, people don't realize that our running is affected by more than just our training. And uh, it, there's a lot of other outside factors. Yeah. And yeah. Um, like when you have those stresses of life and stuff and, yeah, no, it's absolutely overlooked. And it took me like a forever to realize that, like to the like the extent to which, you know, even simple stress, like obviously like I think there's a threshold like which you adapt, like just general stress from like school and stuff, like you're gonna get used to a test not freaking out and not ruining, you know, your easy run the next day. But yeah. you know, a test on top of something else, on top of like like I'll give you like a good example, like probably the most common one, like someone out there, there's like a breakup, like that's huge. Like, and if you drop that in the middle of your training week or cycle, like, oh yeah, that Saturday race, and that's <laughs> you really get some good sleep, in my opinion, at least. Uh, I've had my fair shares of uh, talking to a girl for two weeks and then not talking to her, being heartbroken for a couple of days. Yeah, because you're a heartbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, but uh, nah, yeah. So I remember sophomore year, I. I went through like uh, nothing crazy. I mean, we're just we're high schoolers, bro. You you go through stuff like that. And yeah. 
I stopped talking to a girl and I didn't want to run for a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sure it didn't take you long to move on though. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, well, Ryan, you you look like you want to say something. Uh, I was just gonna ask you what um kind of got you through those injuries because like I know a lot of people like even right now like with the pandemic and even some of my runners like they thought of quitting and thought of like. Like I had, yeah, just like what kind of got you through injuries and also just the pandemic and you had two legit serious injuries, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of what got me through those, um, I'd say, you know, passion is, is what's going to drive you forward no matter where you're at with your, with your running career. And, you know, I've been down and out before, um, definitely not as much as, as I've experienced like these, those past two injuries. Um, that first one, which it feels like so long ago now, that was, um, first of all, like taking care of the panic, <laughs> you know, back to like, we we're talking about, about how, you know, outside stressors can affect your running career when you're healthy. I think it's the same way when you're healing, you know, if you can't take care of all the energy that's being wasted up here, then you're never going to heal below your head. So, um, that was a big part of it is learning to manage, you know, life without running so that I could get back to it eventually. And then, I mean, I give a lot of credit to, the PTIC here, he's, you know, an expert in this stuff. Um, his name is Kevin Green. I'm like so thankful to have someone like him that's local. And, you know, I'd say, although I do credit, you know, tremendous amount of my healing to his work, like I've researched countless hours <laughs> of, of these injuries myself and I've learned what works for me. And then, you know, it's all about sleep, diet and rehab. So yeah, that's pretty much all it's been. And then for the pandemic, I mean, um, running when I was running was obviously really important. I think it was for everyone that was healthy. It was great to, you know, although you don't have racing as motivation, you know, training's always there. Like I know that was like, it was training on Instagram forever. It was um, like, everyone's reposting. I think it's just like running is never canceled. Like yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Running's never canceled. Races yeah. are but training isn't. I definitely agree with that. And then, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be in a relationship from like April through um, just about August and you know it was just been like it's been like a full six months of just like character building on my side and so like that ended obviously but it was super important to get me through you know injuries and family stuff I had going on and it was great and so now I'm, I'm back like back with myself um, you know back to how I used to be and I'm ready to keep moving forward for sure but yeah that's kind of <laughs> my pandemic story yeah so it was just basically like looking at the bigger picture though, right? Like, is that how you kind of like to, to shorten up? You said what? To like look at the bigger picture, like knowing like, oh, I'm hurt now, but in six months I can run again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, patience was definitely a big thing. Like, I think every runner, like every past the distance runner is going to have some sort of like obsession to their sport. And for me, like, you know, especially a year ago, the way I look at my training, um, you know, I was like more than committed and the big, like the smallest inconvenience would cause like the biggest disruption. You know, like if I, if you told me I had to take a day off, you know, it's not even the fact that like I'm aware, like taking a day off, won't lose my fitness. It's the fact like I, in my mind last year would have had the idea of having, you know, June to November, seven days a week, no days off. And to have like that blip on my calendar where like I didn't run that day would drive me absolutely nuts. <laughs> and so I had to get over that pretty quickly being injured for that long. So bigger picture thinking is definitely something. And um, I'm not any less committed to the sport now. I just see inconvenience as a whole different way 
Mm-hmm. You, you got to take, take, awesome take them for how they are, bro. Huh? I said, you just got to take them for how they are. Yeah. And uh, listen, yeah. listen to a couple of David Goggins podcasts and you're back on your, on your yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't feel sorry for yourself anymore, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like overall, like, and the, the more injured you are, like, if you have the right mindset, like, the better you get at this. But you definitely, like, as a distance runner, like, everyone can relate to, like, you just, like, make so many excuses to feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> but you just, like, you can't sit around wasting your time doing that, for sure. Yeah. Uh, ask another question, Gary. Um, so, when, at, like, what point in your career did you realize that, you know, like, it's time to, take it to the next level like I can actually be this runner that you know is going to be able to go to Georgetown in the future um I mean I'd say I'd consider myself like a relatively confident guy and so I'd say pretty early on like freshman year is when I started to realize like how that stuff kind of works and from then I'd you know I'd tell people like I want to be D1 when that time comes so and I think it's been a while um you know whether it was right of me to think that or not is up yeah. in the air but at the end of the day, I, I knew I wouldn't stop working until I made it. So, but a big part of that is I was aware of the potential I had for sure. And I and, had a lot of good people look up to. So, yeah, I was going to say, so when you came into high school, what was your, did like, what was your running career before that? Did you run at all or? Yeah. So I actually started way back in elementary school and I've had the same coach. Um, um, he's actually was my dad's best friend. And so he's basically like my second father. Yeah. And, um, so he started coaching me, you know, <laughs> kind of seems like from birth because I can't even remember like my first runs were. Yeah. So um, I was, you know, really at it in elementary school and then middle school, I kind of took a break, like fifth, sixth and seventh grade and kind of like tried some other sports like a lot of kids do. And then eighth grade is when I kind of was like, all right, like I like this a lot. And then freshman year was like, all right, this is my life. <laughs> and then, yeah, going into high school, um, like I said, like that's when I got serious with it and you know, I had, uh, that's when I was starting to hear like names like Sam Gilman was a great ahead of me. Colin Baker was a great ahead of me. And so I had some like, you know, big names to look up to. Yeah. And the beginning of kind of like South Carolina, this like distance revolution we've had. So it was cool yeah. to, to see the start of that really. So your freshman year, you realize your potential and obviously your coaches did as well, but what exactly were your times? Um, so I really didn't like this freshman year and even sophomore year, I like, I really didn't, I probably need like 10% of what I know now about running. And so that summer, like I really didn't have the best training. And I started that season. Um, I opened up with an 18, 13 on a road race. And then I ended up finishing that season out of 16, 17. So what? <laughs> Whoa. So, I had a lot bigger of a head freshman year than I do now. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. I thought I was a shit freshman year, like for running 16, <laughs> 17. And like there were, there was um, probably like two or three. Yeah. Probably about two freshmen that were like ahead of me in South Carolina, but still like, I was really proud of the fact that um, I ran that. And then freshman track kind of humbled me down a little bit. And then like from there, like I matured, but yeah, I was stoked about my freshman cross country season, just like that improvement. It was, um, it was like the perfect season, like every race, but one I improved. And like, that's just what happens when you train the right way for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the improvement is just like study 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 and then all of a sudden you're like you like plateau and you're like well dang like what can i do yeah you know, like freshman track it was kind of like that for me like all right i was training right or like at least you know better than i have been in middle school but it wasn't the same feeling as you know because there's not like there's no 
improvement like there is like dropping a 5k by like two minutes <laughs> oh yeah i know it's, it's all relative when you're running a mile instead of three so yeah so sophomore year now so sophomore year is basically your last full kind of full year of running yeah um, yeah so sophomore year how did things progress there um so i didn't i really didn't come off the best freshman track season at all like i didn't make state um which is, you know, not uncommon for even, like, freshmen that are bound to be some of the best. This Hold up, you're, yeah, you're cutting off for a little bit. Cause what was yeah, what, what I, what I last? Um, what was I talking about? It was the mile. The, oh. was, you ran 437 in the mile, you yeah, said? Yeah, so I ran 437 um, at, for 1,600. I didn't make state. So I was, you know, crushed by that. But um, that summer, I like I said, like, I didn't really have the best training either. Um, I just didn't really know a lot about how to do running, you know, the way I do it now. Yeah. But I ended up starting off, you know, really not too hot. Um, I was proud at like the end of the season. That's when I met Alex for the first time. So I'm actually kind of glad we talked, we're talking about this now. So state cross country state, my sophomore year, um, <laughs> it was supposed to be me, Cohen and Sam wasn't having the best season. And so we're all going out the first mile. I'm in like four. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you keep going, these guys that you just mentioned are like insane, like track runners and cross country athletes. Like these are like legit, like Colin Roberts. I think he just came and he ran like a 1410 uh, 5K time trial the other day. Did he? Yeah, I know he's been training hard. Good for him. Yeah, as, as a freshman. And then Sam Gilman, obviously, he, what did he run? He ran like 405 in the mile in high school, right? Yeah, so 404 for 16, I think 406 for the four, full mile. Yeah. yeah, all right, so go ahead. I just I just wanted yeah. to – Anyway, that's a good point because, like, 4A cross-country in South Carolina has always been, like, the baddest division, you know, like I was going up. So, as a sophomore, like, I was going up against, you know, Cohen, Sam, and then little did I know Alex. And so we're all going, to, like, out this first mile, and it's, like, me, Cohen, Sam, and, like, this guy that I don't recognize. And they just, like, keep going at it. And so it was, like – them three, me, and then just, like, the rest of, you know, 4A State. And so, like, I put myself in a position where, like, I was like, all right, either I got to send it or I got to drop back. And then we go through the first mile, and they go through in, like, 453. Anyway, like, I'm not going to go through every detail of the race, but Alex ends up yeah. winning that race when, you know, everyone would have told you, all right, it'd be Cohen first, either me or Sam second, and then, you know, predictable like the rest of the way but Alex wins it Sam gets second I got third and then I ran 15:48, and that was my PR for the season <clears throat> I actually tied it so I ran 15:48 twice and then sophomore track um it was really team oriented um but that ended up being my last track season um hopefully I'm having that like hoping to have a real one this year but yeah. I haven't raced on a track since sophomore track so I ran um 932 for 3200 at Bojangles which was like mid to late season and then I made it to state that year in all my events, but I didn't have the best performances there. Yeah. And uh, we won state as a team though. So my coaches were happy with that after making me double and triple at every meet for that season. <laughs> yeah. not that, that's just crazy to me to ask yeah. that much of a high school athlete. No, it's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting season because if we can't compete outside, you know, at big meets or stay the night at meets, and I'm kind of just stuck running like dual and county meets. I think I might have to consider like running unattached and, you know, going big for my last season in high school, you know, so I mean, not there yet, but the way it's looking like if they don't ease up on the regulations, which I'm not saying like 
it's on South Carolina high school league to do. I'm just saying like for me and all the other top guys in the state that are looking to run fast, it's not going to be possible if you run for your team as of right yeah. now. Well, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just one of those things where you kind of got to adapt with all the stuff going on with coronavirus. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's your final year. I think it's only right that you go out and go out with a bang. And if you have state, you know what you got to do. You got to bring that state title back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, if you do, you know, if you're going to one outside meet and, you know, they screw your whole eligibility, like, can I run state, you know? So it's going to be like a choice I'm going to have to make possibly eventually, but we'll see. Yeah. Ryan, you want to say something? No, you're good. You keep, keep going. Oh, with okay. It. All right. So obviously we're just kind of, running running through your whole high school career um so junior year you get to cross-country state and obviously you're in the best shape of your life and just talk about that race yeah so that race I mean I know um Alex's dad had you guys on FaceTime which yeah. is just like one of my favorite memories ever is like hearing you guys through his phone screaming <laughs> at me while I'm running fast <laughs> yeah. so yeah sophomore or junior state um and cross was definitely like my my last and my biggest performance and that's the one that definitely you know got me this hat I'd say that's the one that really turned heads was that progression from sophomore track to that 1510 so that day is like all or nothing like all I had was Cohen in front of me and you know I told myself like I'm gonna go out with him and I'm gonna hang on for as long as I can because like the worst case scenario is I lose but you know I finished with a great time and um so that ended up happening I, I went out and for right at 450 with him and then we came through like right at 940 and I knew the odds of me holding another 450 for that last mile were slim but I was happy to come away with the low 15 and um yeah we started to kind of have some separation at the two mile and uh I thought I was going to gain on him on that last stretch but he looked back and and pulled away but you know I, I couldn't complain with the time I ran so yeah. and not only not only did you run a 15-10, but you also came second. And at the state meet, that's what a lot of college coaches look at. And yeah. the fact that you came second and you ran that time and the person in front of you was like a very legit uh, runner. like Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think that was a big part of it was like, yeah, I ran 15-10, but, you know, Cohen ran 15-04 that day. And so if you look at that comparison, I, you know, I never really asked my coach if, <laughs> if that mattered all that much to him. But, you know, possibly some other people was, you know, I was proud of, yeah, losing to Cohen, but only losing to Cohen by six seconds was big to me, especially now that he's running, you know, 14-10, like you said. Oh, yeah, of course. Because that's awesome. So what – and I know this is going to be, like – this can be very broad, but what do you what did you change going from your sophomore to junior year? And, like, what, what do you think helped you run that time and just progress so much? Um, that's a really great question because that – like I said, like that's when – things kind of started to click for me and like I'll never stop learning about the sport but I'd say a big thing is you know I definitely perfected my diet um I I learned from a lot of great guys um that already did those big things before me um I did a lot of research on my own and I kind of came to the conclusion that like you know the harder the work the better the result and you know I did the right amount of volume for me but this time I did it right and um I'd say the biggest thing was consistency you know I I kept it so consistent. That was, you know, the perfect training block. It was a dream. I, you know, I started in June pretty much from not a great base off a sophomore track. Cause I, you know, I ran well, but I wasn't running, you know, 
60 plus miles a week, I was running like 40, 45. Yeah. And so running, you know, 65 consistently for the first time ever took a lot of, you know. Oh, it, it is. Oh, you're, you're talking to the right one about that. Cause yeah. going up to 50 miles my junior year was like, that was like, bro, this is the hardest thing my coach ever did. But, yeah. Yeah. So honestly, like those like June and July, um, you know, you look at my training log and you would not have predicted a 15, 10. It was just slow, easy runs and getting used to that volume. And then I started throwing some decent workouts, but you know, my best tempo that summer for a 15, 10 season was like four miles, probably right around like just below 550 average. Wow. But I did end up getting like, you know, I built that base, you know, I had the aerobic foundation. I definitely didn't have a great threshold over the summer, but once I did those workouts and, you know, once like the aerobic base and the speed kind of came together along with all the other stuff. I mean, I was running doubles two to three times a week. I didn't take a day off. I ran 13 miles every Sunday from, from July to November. And so it was really just that consistent consistency that carried me to, you know, a good finish of the season overall. And that's what I'm so frustrated about not having nowadays, but. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Hey, you keep on taking care of that stuff. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm in the clear now. I'm just waiting yeah, to bro. get this season over with, but yeah, that was, it makes me smile. Just thinking about like that last training block I had. <laughs> it's motivating. I think the only thing that could that could make those kind of training blocks better is just, like I said, consistency. I mean, yeah, yeah, and definitely all you can ask for. I think you know running is so cumulative. Like going into those training blocks in a better shape than you, know, you ever have before. Like for base phase, like relative to that, like that's huge too. Is okay, you take three weeks off, but you train for six months straight. Like you can hop into a tempo and, and ran like pretty much just what you ran at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So. So. I'll say my bad. I zoned out for five minutes. Two of my runners were just cursing each other out, two girls in a group shot. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? So first time as a, as a coach experiencing that. Um, I'm just curious though, you're saying you're eating. Um, two of my runners went, they went vegan. I was just wondering what, yes, what's a, vegan. I'm not. He always go. He always. <laughs> but like, what's a, like a, a normal day? Cause some of my runners, like they're obsessed with you, but they're like, Oh, I want to go vegan. Cause the Kenyans go vegan. Like what's uh like a normal day for you eating wise. I mean, I'm definitely not vegan. Even though Gary <laughs> <thinks> I, <am. laughs> um, I think you can be a vegan. Um, but I do think, you know, I think you can be a vegan and be an elite runner, but I don't think you can be, a vegan and be a sub elite runner. I think that if you're elite, you probably have the access and the knowledge to do it right. But if you're not, you probably, you know, you're not going to hammer out every supplement and get your balance right. Um, you know, there's so much that goes into getting all those nutrients and, you know, elite vegans will argue that you can just get it from all the food you eat. And the truth is there's um, different forms of different things across plant, animal, food. And so for me, you know, my personal values, um, you know, they land, you know, kind of preserving at least the environment somewhat. And I think a big part of that is definitely cutting out, you know, things that are contributing to, you know, large submissions. So if you look at the animal ag agriculture sector, you know, dairy and red meat are, are definitely not good in terms of that. And so the extent to which that's contributing to climate change is questionable, but for me, it's something I don't want to be involved in. And so I've cut out, you know, everything, all milk and products from cows. Um, I do eat, so this is where Garrett gets it wrong. So I do eat, <laughs> eat, 
I do eat fish and I do eat venison. So that's just local deer meat. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I get my red meat from. So I'm not a vegan. <laughs> and, um, but ordinary, I'm not really having any of that. I mean, to me, you know, whether you're an environmentalist or not, I don't think you should be eating as, as a distance runner. I think that, you know, it's, it can be already, it definitely can hamper your recovery and, and add inflammation to the body that you don't need. But a normal day for me, um, I'd probably just date back to like junior cross because that's when everything was like perfectly in line. So I wake up, I always run on an empty stomach, um, definitely have some water. But afterwards, every day I had um, the same protein shake. So it's just like, it's the simplest recipe ever. So it's just pea protein, cocoa powder, and almond milk. I mean, there's like nothing else to it. And <laughs> people clown me for it because they say it tastes like bitter. And it definitely does. But I, I think it's so refreshing once you get used to it. And so I just have that and that honestly fills me up a lot. And I don't really have a huge appetite after, you know, hard workouts or even an easy run when I'm in shape. I know you guys can probably relate to that. So I just have that, you know, slug that down before school, have like half a cliff bar or something. And then probably have the other half of the cliff bar in between that and lunch. And then lunch, lunch is probably when I like to stick plant-based. And so I'd have, you know, a type of bean, like a lentil or, you know, like just black beans, just cause that ratio of protein to carbs and, you know, the amount of fiber it's going to contain, I think is like optimal for digestion in between doubles. Yeah. Once I got home at night, um, after that double, that's when I'd go for a lean meat, like fish or venison and then, you know, broccoli and, (laughs) you know, yeah. I'd say like, that's an average day for me. Yeah. So no leaves, no tofu, no grass or anything. I'll eat tofu and all that, but like I'm not a vegan. (laughs) (laughs) No, tofu is good though. You should try it. You can make it taste like anything. Yeah, I've actually never had tofu before. But I mean I'll make it I don't think I eat as clean as you, but I definitely do eat No, I think I think like correct me if I'm wrong, but out of all the CSU guys, you definitely have the best diet. Probably, yeah. And I'll tell you who doesn't have the best diet, and that's definitely Alex. He admitted on the podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the last podcast, if you watch it, he literally just says he eats whatever. Anything. I asked him his yeah. cheat meal. He's like, every day is a cheat meal for me. So. No, nah, man. Yeah. No cheat meals. Yeah, but that's that's so good, though, that you're aware of your body. Because I think diet contributes a lot to performance. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of people that. I mean, even if you're not an athlete, like it's. It's kind of scary if you look around. <laughs> I think it's even more important if you're not an athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, that's just like a cultured thing as a whole here. Of course. Awesome. It is It is kind of hard to eat healthy, though, in a Hispanic household. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Very, very, very hard. What are you talking about? You're not Hispanic. You're white. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. Ryan's Cuban, guys. It's okay. Nice, nice. <laughs> I'd like... Uh, like I said, I zoned out. I zoned out for a couple minutes. So I don't know if you asked this question. Like I said, these run. I've never seen runners curse each other out, so this is a new thing for me. Um, but because I know you're talking about like freshman through junior year. When did you realize like, oh, I'm one of like the best runners and like, like, because you're eating and habits and the way you tra- like you take training really. It's not like you're just talented out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. you take this seriously. When did you like? Okay, like I need to double down and like take this seriously like was it before high school um so i'd say like the mentality of you know a champion's mentality so like i adapted quickly going into freshman year because like you know starting freshman year like i was definitely not the best freshman i wasn't really even the best on my team yet at least for those first few meets and so then like that i'd say that's when i got the mentality right 
or at least like a small scale, you know, competitive mindset. And then I'd say it's really that that transition between sophomore and junior year was probably the biggest. Um, and then I'd say like the probably what'll pay off to be like the next biggest one is, is this one between junior and senior year, like everything I've gone through these last six months, I think it'll really pay off in terms of the lessons I learned once I start running in this track season. So what was yeah, like the podcast? <laughs> what was like the one resource like like what influenced you like to go crazy? Like you sound like Tom Brady or, or some of these like <laughs> LeBron James where you just go crazy with everything. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean it's I mean, who wants it the most at the end of the day? And so for me it I kinda look at all right, you know, these guys that I'm competing against, like they're running great, but Well, where did the motivation honestly like but yeah, was it like, was it your teammate? Was it your coach? Was it some YouTube? Was it Spencer from Georgetown? Like, <laughs> like what was it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean? It might sound ridiculous, but I mean, it's, it's honestly like, it's always been me, you know, I really done it for myself. And like, I love making my friends proud. Like there's no better feeling, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I think the internal reward for me is, is unmatched. And I know a lot of runners, like for me, like my parents who aren't Olympians, you know, they never were athletes. They never pushed me out the door. Um, you know, I love my coach to death, but it's the same way. Like, you know, it's, I, at the end of the day, like I make a choice to, to be this great. You know, if I, if I did, if I half-assed everything, there wouldn't be a whole lot of people that I think that would, you know, <laughs> try and do that work for me. You know, I think it's a big part of it is, and I know it's not just, you know, unique to me as, you know, as a distance runner, you have to be pretty self-motivated, but there's, obviously different levels of that like I said like if both your parents were gold medalists it's a little dip, a little bit different than yeah. someone who just I mean it's all about love for the sport at the end of the day you know winning losing and I think it I think it's unique to me is like I could never race a day in my life again but I'd still train just as hard because I love it that much you know like it running's running's fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly I mean I met a lot of people but I always thought Garrett out of everybody I know I know Garrett loves running but you're definitely you guys are neck and neck I, yeah yeah no I see that in Garrett for sure by the way I think we potentially just got a you know how Joe Rogan has a Joe Rogan uh by day uh podcast by day podcast by night I think yeah. we got that just now when uh Ron just said that running is fucking <laughs> awesome. I think we got to put that at the beginning of our podcast now <laughs> we already got the logo for us so now we're perfect I love that that'd be awesome yeah um so I mean, other than that, well, let's just talk about goals for your senior year. Yeah. We haven't talked about that. Um, Especially since you didn't get to run track. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Actually, actually, real quick, real quick. What's your training looking like now? I'm, I'm interested because you don't have Strava, and I, I wanted to know. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't publish my stuff, man. I've never been the one like post like my long run on my Instagram story, not calling anyone out. But that's wow, it. you're just calling me straight out. <laughs> can't let no mid-distance runner have have their fun man um right now I mean I ran like four workouts total and like I would never I would never tell you what my workout like workouts are like four months from now but um just because I'm like in doo-doo shape so I ran like 1000s the other day and I averaged like like 318 for the first four and then I ran like 308 on the last one and I'm running about 30 miles a week right now um I was kind of just like because I can only increase by 10 percent a week you know, coming yeah. off that injury. And that's something I've never limited myself to, but I knew I had to do it the right way. Um, but I'm running six days a week. It's so simple. <laughs> you know, 
now I've had to race. And so I don't want to beat myself to the ground. So I'm only doing like one workout a week. Cause that's literally all I can handle. I mean, I pushed it so hard um, coming back and like actually being in practice for the first time was like these last two weeks. And I did, you know, work in a week cycle. I did a workout Saturday, a workout Tuesday, and then I raced Saturday and I made the choice not to work out Thursday that week too, just cause like, I, I mean, I couldn't even walk <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. So I, yeah. So I have what's it, eight more days of, of this. And then, like I said, I'll shut down just for a little bit to reset and then do it the right way and keep things secret. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you know your limit because boy, I tell you, I don't know how close I was to injuring my senior year, but I was going through some like some pains in my legs and, I yeah, thought at one point yeah. I had a stress fracture in the middle of my yeah. season and I kind of had to take a step back and be like, is it really worth it? You know, I, I'm going to college in four months from now. Like, should I really, you know, push it over that limit? You know, cause it's one thing to be hard working, but it's another thing to work hard, but work stupid, you know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Train smart and hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so but yeah, my goals for, uh, for tracks, yeah. I don't know if we were touching on before. Um, that's a good question. I haven't really thought a whole lot about it just because I've been trying to get through everything that's happened and, and get to the point where I can actually train for those. But I don't know, whenever I make goals, I don't usually say like, I know guys will be like, yeah, I want to run like 920, like right on the, right on the dot. I always like say sub something just cause I don't want to like get to that and then stop, you know? Um, of course. I don't know. I guess I'm not really throwing out any numbers or, or goals or anything. Like I just don't want to I don't Which wanna, they don't they don't need to be measurable they can just be you know yeah i mean it's pretty general like i just i want to be the best that that's out there and if i have to lose a couple guys that's the way it is but i want to know that i did every single thing i can to to be at the top so that's all i mean i just want to lay it all out there and and if that means you know winning state as a team during track by you know the biggest margin seen in years then that's one thing if it means you know being one of the top guys in the nation that's another thing but I want to be happy, you know, whatever my, my last race was, I want to cross the finish line with a smile and, and be happy about what I did over high school and, and look forward to what's next. You know, I mean, that's what I told myself for junior cross was no matter what happens, like I'm satisfied. If I look back on my season, I'm happy with my season. What else, you know, what I need to do, I'm not going to crunch numbers and, and focus on the, on the time goal. You know, if I'm happy with my season, that probably means I did it right. So mm -hmm. that's all I gotta, gotta say about that, I guess. Yeah. And, and that's a, I mean, when you start to focus too hard on the times and stuff, you don't really factor in a lot of things and you kind of get down on yourself and it's just not a good way to think and set goals. And I learned that personally because I had a, an insane amount of time goals coming into my, uh, my freshman year of college and I don't even think I hit one of them. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely had your reasons. I mean, that was not easy on you. Yeah. But I think that's why you why runners suffer burnout and you know get depressed is because when they're so like I want to run this exact time and they don't do it it's like I don't even know why I'm running you know yeah, yeah. and um I was gonna ask you since you got injured do you cross train um so yes and no so because I was injured and for so much of my injury I was actually running on the injury um mm -hmm. no but I say the last time and you guys will think this is pretty funny so when I had um like that major back injury last winter, you know, I still thought I would have a junior track season because no one predicted a global pandemic for God's sake. But um, <laughs> I was swimming like fucking Michael Phelps. Every 
and like I would go in and do doubles and I'd say like the most nuts workout I ever did in the pool was because like I couldn't for a while I couldn't even use my legs to swim because I'd like isolate my back and so I had like the um what do they call it like the foam you put between your legs like you know just swim with your arms yeah, yeah. I've seen that yeah, yeah I did an hour straight of laps Oof. with just my arms just like stay like kind of in shape I guess I know it's ridiculous but I'd say swimming is my go-to um and then I'd bike as well but <laughs> you know, biking, I have a nice road bike, but road biking around here is kind of frustrating. And then, you know, on a stationary bike, it just gets like awful. Boring. So, yeah. Yeah. So swimming for me is like great because it's, um, you know, it works everything. And it's also kind of like the most volume efficient, if that makes sense. Like 20 minutes of swimming, you can be like beat to shit after 20 minutes of swimming. If you do it right. Like if you do a workout, like the intensity you can reach swimming is unmatched because you can't breathe, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's the difference. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's funny you say that because although you may not be aerobically in the best shape right now, like there was this one girl, my, my, I remember my junior year, and she cross-trained literally the whole season, barely ran, and she ran like a two-flat in 800. Yeah, no, that's nuts. I think a big part of that is like going, even like going these workouts, like never in my life have I ever been just like jump into workouts. And like, I'll give you an example. Um I ran like a three mile tempo, like 540, which is, it was like, all right. Like I would never want to run that slow again in a tempo this year, but yeah, I was happy with it. Like that's all right for not having an aerobic base. But then, you know, we had two 400s after and I ran like 64 and 66, which I'd never been able to run. And like, that's like a joke, to, like milers and stuff. Like for me, like I've never been able to run a 64, even like barely at the end of a training block. I mean, I'm a true distance guy, but still I've never been able to just jump in and have a type like you know speed and I think it's just from going through the motions for you like what how many seasons since freshman you're like eventually I think there's you know an extent of muscle memory like it just never goes away <laughs> so I mean I just because your lungs can't keep up doesn't mean like your legs can't if you've been through it before so true, true. um and I mean I hate to keep relating back to me, but I, I went through the same thing this year. And yeah, no, it's, I, it's like, you. like, it, it's just to just goes to show you that every runner goes through the same thing. Like at yeah. one point or another, I came in with in terrible shape. And uh, I mean, I'm in the best shape of my life, I think right now. Yeah. Least. I mean, you to run, what you run for AK the other day? I can't remember what off the top of my head. I mean, it, it was, it was a 26, 37, but it was a lot faster on a lot worse of a course and so like even 26 37 like that's like faster than your high school race pace for 5k right no, yeah not. exactly that's what i'm saying so, so even if it was 26 37 on a fast course like yeah and i ran last year i ran 2655 on uh at louisville which is like yeah. one of the best courses you can run on and like just being honest like you're meant to race on the track so that's that's yeah. really impressive true and this is also my my second ak ever so yeah so yeah but um mentally why like what goes through your head mentally during races like why um, do you fight like hard battles like how you feel physically or do you think like mentally like the battles are more inside your head i'd say like man and i miss it so much like when you're in peak shape like there's nothing better than racing when you're in peak shape like when you can give it like flat out everything but you finish and like you don't even have to bend over and catch your breath you know just because like mm -hmm you train your body for that for months on end but like you were saying like sometimes it, it's the mental battles like you can be in a little bit of pain but you know inside your head like fighting that can be a bitch you know 
And I'd say for me, like, I'm just thinking about that last time I raced Cohen is like, I mean, for me, like, I only have to ask myself one question. It's like, how bad do you want it? And then like, I just leave it up to me, you know, like, I don't want to lose to myself. So at that point, it's just like, I'm only proving to myself. Like if I ask myself that question, there's no going back. Like how bad do you want it? You don't want to say not that bad inside your head to yourself. That's the way I see it at least. I don't know if that's weird, but. No, it's not. And at the end of the day, (laughs) at the end of the the day, you're, you know, like obviously you're racing other people, but you're also kind of challenging yourself and competing against yourself just to see how much you can truly go through in a race, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I feel like it's so different, especially like in a 5K, like even, even if like the truest of true distance guys, like running a 5K is a bitch compared to running a mile on the track. Like, yeah, for sure. Even, like, you know, like the gutsiest races ever, you know, 5K is going to be harder on a cross country course than a mile mentally every single time. Maybe not physically, but the battle you're going to fight inside your head, like, and for me, like it's odd because for cross country, like the hardest mile for me has always been, you know, mile one going through mile two. And then for some reason, like that last mile, I feel like, you know, the training starts to kick in and, and the adrenaline starts to flow. And so it's like kind of numb, but running that second mile on a 5k and I'm sure like, it'll be the same way in college for double the distance. It's like horrible, you know, cause that's just like, you're like in between the start and the finish. So Speaking about college now, um, and as we start to wrap this podcast up, what exactly, like, what do you think, what are your plans in college? What do you think that, where do you think you'll succeed more? You think you'll stay at around like 3K, 5K, or do you think you'll move up to the notorious 10K? Um, I feel like, I don't know, I'm going to see how this last track season goes before I say anything concrete. So hopefully I'm not quoted on what I'm about to say, but, you know, based off of how I've been running, um, you know, I've always kind of excelled at longer distances. Cross country has kind of always been my thing over track. Thankfully in college, if that is true, then I'll be able to race 5K and 10K on the track. But if I had to guess, I mean, I'm sure Coach will might run me in a mile a few times that my freshman year. But if I had to guess, you know, based off of my workouts, which will show pretty early on, I think, you know, cross country is always going to be my, my love. And then on the track, you know, I think I'll be a 5K guy, just being honest with you. I think I could run a pretty gnarly 3K, but, you know, I think 5K, 10K would kind of always be my thing. I hate you so much for saying that, by the way. <laughs> I hate cross-country. But so if, if I'm at Nationals and you're in the mile of the 3K, you bet your ass I'm going to be racing the mile of the 3K. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so, Ryan, did you want to – you have anything else to ask before we um, – Yeah, I got a, a coaching question just because I don't have a kid as good as you, but kind of similar build. You said that the fastest 400 runs was like a 64. Um, that's like, I'm saying like in a workout, but no, I mean, I like people tell me, like, I'm sure you have like 55, 56 speed. I'm like, all right, I've never ran it. The fastest 400 I've ever ran is going out in an 800 sophomore year and it was a 59. So okay. got out there, like, so, yeah. I, have, like, I consider myself like great finishing speed, but I'd never run that fast in workouts ever. So I'm sure that'll change this last season. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Cause I'm just... So does, is that something you're trying to work on your senior year or is that something you're just like, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have that type of speed. I'd rather just focus on distance. Um, I mean, I'm always going to put like volume over everything. I think that, you know, if you are training upwards of 70 miles a week, there's only so much, you know, fast intervals you can do without kind of destroying your legs midweek. Um, 
but for me, I've, I've say like that aerobic base is always going to, and I have people like in the running community will debate over this, like, you know, 800 runners that have ran like crazy volume and no speed and still run just as fast as someone that does the complete opposite. So for me, I think having, you know, a stronger aerobic foundation than whoever my opponent is, you know, can give me personally the finishing speed I already need if I'm like doing my strides and finishing some workouts with 400s. But will I kind of do some workouts with the sprinters? Maybe like one or two. Um, but what I've been doing works. And if I do want to run a faster mile, you know, I'm going to hammer out some harder 400s than I would for a 5K for sure. But um, no, I wouldn't say that <laughs> I'm going to be doing, you know, like three by 400 all out much, you know, stuff like that. So, because I kind of do the same thing with one of my runners, just pretty much aerobic work and then just add some strides just to. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, I know as a high school, high school coach, you kind of have to generalize. And I think nine times out of 10 for or nine runners out of 10, like that's going to work for them. You know, if you have that aerobic base and you get the legs turning a little bit, like that speed's going to come by itself. And if you want to perfect it, like, yeah, you're going to have to hammer out some workouts maybe, but. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Gary, I'm yeah, good. That, I mean, that, was, that was my nerdy question I had to ask him. For me. I, I mean, I was just going to add on to that. I, I feel like you don't necessarily need – I mean, obviously, I think as long as you take care of strides and doing a little bit of faster leg turnover, I think as long as you have that, you should still have, you know, a decent decent speed at least for the mile and up. Yeah. Maybe not for the 800, but – Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I'll run the 800. Like, my school record's a 157. I think I could run, like, 155, 156 off of just, like, no speed. Like, just, like, basic yeah. thing I'd be doing for, like, right, but a while. Then you got some speed on you. <laughs> I'm saying, like, run a 155. I've heard of guys, like, running, like, 149 their sophomore. Like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy speed. Like, yeah. Like, like fun. I'll be really happy with 156 for a distance guy. Because my yeah. school record's 57. Like, I'll run the 4 by 8 Like, I'm really, like, for, like, shorter distance. Like, I'm going to focus on the mile, obviously. But. I'm not going to go balls the wall to run the best 800 night. Like I'm not going to go balls the wall to run like 154 instead of 155, you know, which like, I don't even know if I could do, but we'll see. You scared? You want to uh, race me? You scared? I mean, I'll, I'll race you. It's up to that. <laughs> um, no, no. I doubt I can get you in a, in a college 800, but I'm up for, I'm up for a challenge. So. Hey, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Um, but all right, guys, we're going to wrap this podcast up. Um, we're going to, you know, we like to do our all-out kick around every, uh, every podcast and just ask some rapid-fire questions. You don't necessarily have to ask, uh, answer it as fast as possible, but I, I just kinda, some general questions. I kind of cut, like, half of them out, so I didn't really finish. But um, before we finish that, I want to thank Marlon for the Distance Theory logo. That shit's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I did my best. I'm not an expert in Photoshop, but I'm really uh, happy for you guys. The logo, the logo we had before was uh, was oh pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a picture of a think of a track and just our name. So <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and Ryan spelled my name wrong like eight different times. Of I one spelled your name wrong on the first. <laughs> I didn't know you had two T's at the end of Garrett. Shit, it's that okay. was only one. It's okay, bro. <laughs> Me too, man. I got the last name right though. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, cross country is your favorite, but what's your favorite track run, track event to run? Um, yeah, honestly, I'd probably say like the mile is the most fun, but the two miles like my favorite. Okay, so what's your favorite track event to watch? Oh, to watch, I'd say definitely the eight hundred or the four by one. Oh, I guess you're gonna go with the four by four. 
I mean, I think, yeah, like in high school, yeah, the four by four, but in the Olympics, like I think the four by one with like Jamaica, USA, great. Like that's the most exciting thing you can watch yeah. is, is an Olympic relay or like sprinters at least. But high school, definitely four by four at the end of the day, like that's always going to be the most hype race. Um, hardest workout ever. Hardest workout. Um, I know I'm supposed to answer these as fast as I can. Oh, you're good. No, nah, you're good. I'm going to have to think about that one. Probably, I'd say, like, anything with, like, 1K repeats at race pace is going to be pretty damn hard. With, like, at, how, at race pace? Like, if you do, or goal pace, at least, like, kind of in that, in that range with, like, one minute standing rest, like, those are going to be tough. So, like, what, what, like, what, what average pace would that be, like, 240s? No, not too. No, Gary. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what three um, three or two race pace so, I mean, yeah for I mean, 5k I, right for a 5k yeah like if, if oh, i were like, okay. like i can do i can do race pace with, like a minute standing rest for like six of them back to back to back like if i were like slightly like below that you know kind of like at threshold with the minute standing rest like i'd say those are bitch to run okay you scared me there for a second i actually meant like <laughs> like in it because when you say race pace i'm thinking dang you're doing that at mile race pace like, <laughs> no 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 not never <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'll say I'll be damned if I can run six by one k at my mile race pace. Yeah. Um, and then I guess this is the final one. Uh, no, not the final one, but second to last question: What's your favorite pair of running shoes? Oh man, oh, I feel like this should be an easy one. Um, I'd say because I like that like certain pairs of shoes for certain things. I'd say I'll just go by like each category. So like, my favorite flat ever is an Ultra Vanish, mm. and then. My favorite, like, everyday trainer is probably the Kinvara. And then my favorite, like, long run shoe ever is probably the the first Pegasus Turbo. Mm. I was going to say, dang, no Nike? Yeah, no, Nike. I'm going to have to be running Nike. So, <laughs> no, I love the I love the Pegasus lineup. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the the last few. I'm not really a big fan of the 37s. but For Junior Cross, though, I trained in um, two pairs of Skechers. I had the Razor 3s and the Max Roads which were great. Like, I love those to death. I just haven't ran them for, like, forever. I can honestly, that might be my favorite shoes. Those two Skechers I ran were awesome. And so last question, what's the proudest moment of your running career? Oh, man. I'd say probably, um, I don't know if I could pick just one. I mean, like, I feel like every race is, like, the proudest moment, but probably not sound like cheesy but like probably i mean i'd say probably the fifteen ten was something i was pretty proud of yeah because yeah. like it didn't really like set in at first but i was like damn like that's a big boy time for the first time ever i told myself that like i was like satisfied with with something i ran and fully yeah and it doesn't even have to be like a running because i mean it could even be you committing yeah. to georgetown and your hard work finally you know paying off oh okay you meant like in general like to do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah, I mean, I that's definitely, like, that's always been, like, the dream. And that's definitely like, probably one, like, besides, like, running for running itself, you know, it getting me to where I want to be in terms of, like, you know, my dream D1 school, that was definitely huge. And I talked, like, all my friends' ears off about it since freshman year, so I'm sure they're all pretty happy about it, too. <laughs> of course, bro. I was, I was extremely happy for you. I'll just tell you that much. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm so excited to like, be in the NCAA with like all you guys now. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. And honestly, we probably will race each other at a couple of AKs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially like, as you guys like form like this baller squad. Yeah. Yeah. 
But um, all right. I, I mean, if you guys don't have anything else to uh, add on, anything you want, like you want to shout one. out, like that your Instagram, one. anything, YouTube oh. channel. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nothing. Nothing, man. I'm good. All right. Well, I just want to thank you, Marlon, for uh, coming on the podcast with us. Yeah, Obviously, you, I, I mean, I think this is a great episode. That was so awesome. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Sound like freaking Kevin Durant in his MVP. <laughs> so fun. I love that last part. I was like, those rapid fire questions, like, that's cool. Yeah. That's- but uh, all right, guys, we're going to wrap up this episode of the uh, Distance Theory podcast. I'm Garrett Carter with my co-host Ryan Mazzozo and Marlon Belden, and uh, signing out. <laughs>